Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Some of the great sounds of the mid-80s, this song was the number one song in the land the last time the NBA All-Star Game was in Indianapolis. The guy that you just heard hitting that shot that sent the Houston Rockets into the 1986 NBA Finals, in my opinion, the most underappreciated, ridiculously impossible shot in the NBA of the 80s, and the most valuable player in that game at the Hoosier Dome joins us now on the program, Ralph Sampson, the former Houston Rocket, and of course, Virginia All-American joining us on the program. Ralph, it is a pleasure. How are you? Hey, the pleasure is all mine. You 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 you, you called me and we got on today. And I'm, thank you for doing all that. But you brought back great memories of being in Indiana. I can remember coming through the airport on um, that uh, pregame and it, it, they showed the shot with the Lakers. So good memories for me and uh, thanks for having me. Hey, you know what? Let's begin by, and I'm thrilled you're here uh, talking with us. Let, let's begin with this, and we'll get to the coin flip in a second. But the All-Star Game itself in 1985, it was such a big deal for the city, Ralph, because you know you had 24 points in that game, uh, 10 boards. You were the most valuable player. It was a star-studded affair, obviously, but I mean just from a legendary standpoint. What are your memories of being in the city and maybe the hub or lack thereof in 1985 versus what we're going to see this year with the All-Star Game in Indy? Well, you know, I tell people all the time, so I think Magic, I had 24 points. Magic probably had eight assists because all he had to do was run, and he made those great passes. So I, I give him kudos all the time. He gives up like a, a 25% of that trophy. So anyway, it was a great game, and we enjoyed it. But um, I mean, Indianapolis, I think, and, and I, hope it, I don't know if they had an All-Star Game prior to 85, but uh, or after 85, what it may be. But the city, to me, is a great venue for any sport event. you got everything downtown, which is the first time I was there. Everything you can walk to, that you can go to, restaurants, to the arenas. It's right downtown, so it's a perfect place. My son played at the University of Minnesota. They had the big tournament there, and we'd go there. But it was a perfect place for that. I've been there for NCAA tournaments as well. So it's one of my favorite places to come for sporting events because everything is right nestled downtown. And there's no other city, I think, like that, that you can walk, have great hotels, and have great food. So I think Indy is one of those special places, for sure. You know, when you go back to Indy at that time, you know, and now, obviously, and downtown has been so built, Ralph, as you know, having come to Big Ten tournaments and, you know, played playing here in games for years, sports was such a, an important part of the birth and the growth of Indianapolis. You were nearly a big part of that. And I remember, I I just told the story, being in elementary school, and they came over the loudspeakers at school to play the live radio call of the coin flip, and all of us at Allisonville Elementary School are sitting there in Virginia shirts, and we're thrilled, right? Oh my gosh, we're going to get Ralph Sampson. What's your memory of nearly becoming a Pacer? Did you have any conversations with the Pacers prior to that draft? 
Yeah, I'm sure my agent did. At that point in time, we, we, we did talk about it. Um, you know, and I was able to come out of high school to the NBA. Uh, but I was so, you know, I did and I stayed. And then my, my, my freshman year, I was able to come out as well. I'd have been a number one pick probably, they say. But Kevin McHale wouldn't have gone to the Boston Celtics, right? It would have been a whole different ballgame. The next year, Isaiah Thomas might not have gone to Detroit Pistons. The third year, I probably should have came up, but um, uh, James Worthy might not have gone to the Lakers. So I could have changed the game <laughs> dramatically across the board if I came out of school. But, you know. And then, you know, I, and I couldn't depend on the coin flip, um, you know, and, and knowing NBA like I do now, whatever is probably the best thing I did was stay because then I came out in the right spot at the right time. But I didn't mind. I would, I would have loved to come there and play with the Pacers and the team they had at that point in time. And the Rockets were still on the up, upswing. Uh, they had, you know, Elvin Hayes, Caldwell Jones, a lot of older players that were getting ready to retire. So I knew going there with me and Ryan McCray, you know, my senior year that we, we were going to make a change. But coming out early, you know, I don't think that those teams would have been there. But, you know, I think we did with a great team in the NBA that uh, got to Indianapolis. And, you know, so rest is history. But the city is great. You know, now I know kind of all is there. I didn't know all that beforehand, before the conflict coming out of college. But if I, if I look back, it would have been one of those cities that I probably would have been really good at and living and enjoying life there and playing, you know, playing at a high level. So it is a great, great spot for me. The Hall of Famer and MVP of the last All-Star Game here in Indiana, 1985, Ralph Sampson is our guest. Ralph, you are viewed by many, myself included, as one of the greatest bigs of all time. In today's NBA, that position has changed so much where outside shooting becomes a part of it and the three-point line is involved in it. And previous players in the past will say, and I view this too, you put any player from any generation that was great, you plop them in any era they're still going to be great. For you, if you were coming up in the mid-2000s, let's say, where all of a sudden they're asking bigs to be stretch fives and space the floor, would you have adapted your game, do you think, to include perimeter action, or would you have made the game adapt to you being as dominant as you were in the low post? No, no, the game, I mean, they would, I mean, think about it. I mean, Bill Fitch was our coach. They would not let us shoot any threes. I don't know how many threes I shot in my career, but they would not let us shoot threes at all. If you shot one, like you know, you, 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 you're, you're a post-up player, you need to get underneath the basket because she's seven foot four, and you should be close to the basket to get all the rebounds. That didn't make sense at that point in time, right? But that's the way the game was. And back then, to me, with the art of the game, today's game doesn't have much art in it. You just shoot a three, and you yeah, you work on percentages. And I mean, you got guys shooting three days, you know, from half court. I mean, I don't know how great. That is for basketball, but it is what it is, right? It's entertainment. And so, for me, I think I could have played today, for sure. I would love to play today. With the skills over that I had, I think a lot of players could have played today. I mean, I'll look at a couple of Jokic out of Denver. I think Bill Lambeer would have been great today, but he'd been slow with foot like he was. He couldn't jump high, but he never was in the post-up. He, he, he shot jump shots, three forty all the time, right? And that's the way they played. So, certain guys, I think, would have turned in it nicely in today's game. But I do think that the, you know, the big guys coming back a little bit every year. You get big, and the game is changing. So even uh, I take the guy, the big guy at, at Purdue, right? He, he's seven foot tall. He maybe played again this year, uh, but he's like a Mark Eaton, a better Mark Eaton to me, right? Uh, he's big, like Mark Eaton. He plays similar to Mark Eaton. So there's similarities between him and say they said similarities between me and Wimby, 
Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him one day and just kind of see what he is and watch him play, watch him on TV. But, you know, we played, we ran, we jumped, and I was able to do that in high school. And uh, thank God my high school coach, Roger Brady, is still with us. And Coach Terry Holland that just passed it last year. They let me, you know, be me. And, you know, they try to control it a little bit so I can perfect it. But they made me practice and practice every day if I wanted to build the ball to court. And my high school coach started that. Ralph Sampson, there's so many connections, actually, for you that you may not even be aware in terms of just basketball in the state of Indiana. For example, I want to touch on what you just mentioned in Zach Eady. Zach Eady at Purdue has the opportunity, and I think at this point probably we can say uh, will become the first two-time winner of the Wooden Award, joining only Ralph Sampson in that category. The first since you did it and the only to do it since you. Um, what is your thought on having somebody match that record and that feat? I mean, you know, sometimes you think about it in, in, in today's game, especially in college, you would not think that that would be done. NIL and transfer portal and all the stuff going on. But, I mean, I, I, I love the way, you know, uh, Purdue and the coach have put him together and around. And he, he's a big presence. And he, he, he's in the low post again, right? So seeing a low post player do that is great because you're not normally going to see a low post player win National Player of the Year, right? Especially twice. And so I appreciate him, and I appreciate what they do to bring that big man to life. But you've got to figure out also how to play at that next level in the low post or transition again. And, and here, here lies the problem with that for me as well. Analytics has changed the game, which we all know. Most of the analytics that are produced at any NBA team are done by Harvard graduates or people like that that said you should – post up here or you should shoot from here or you should play get from there. But they don't tell you the guy's 7'4 and he will block a shot. They don't tell you all that, right? They know that makes it to me. So you look at all that and you say, what's the game going to be like when Edie and any other big guy gets to the to, to the league? They're going to be game changers because you're going to have to defend him in the post at some point. I don't care who you are. And and, and the players that are, are, are on the teams are not going to be able to defend that, right? So it'll go back to that when you start getting and develop more players that are low post players because that's going to win you games. And when you need a basket or two, it's not going to be the three-point shot. It's going to be the low post big man turn around doing a jump hook or sky hook or whatever may be close to the basket that's going to get you up two when you need two points. And and, and some coaches, it was like the number coach, somebody's going to figure that out. And, and, and it's going to change the game up a little bit like it always has. And it won't go back to the way it was, but it'll have some flavor to the way it was. I think one of the things, Ralph Sampson, our guest, Ralph, you were on the, the cover of Sports Illustrated. You were ubiquitous on that cover from the late 70s and early 80s. I think you were on the cover six times in the span of like 18 months. You know, you, you went to a Final Four with Virginia in 81 where Indiana was in Philly. Um, and, and during that time, one of the things that was so unusual and that, that made you so unique was your fluidity, your ability to run the floor, your ability to to do things aside from just being a low block guy. When you look at Webamyama, who kind of has that similar feel coming in, are there areas to his game that you would talk to him about in terms of preservation of body, ligaments, knees, avoiding some of the injuries that might have hurt you later in your career based on the fluidity and the range that you had at your size? Yeah, so when I get a chance to talk to him, I'm definitely going to talk about that because he's very fluid. When I see videos I've been working out, he does a lot of yoga moves and a lot of stretching, which is going to be crucial. 
you know, I was the first guy in the NBA that brought weights in a, weight, in a locker room in, a, in any NBA arena. And the guy named Robert Ward, God bless him, he's a good friend of mine. So I go to Houston because I was a big weightlifter in college because, you know, you're too thin, you need to gain weight, you need to put on muscle. That was a thought, right? So between my first and second year, I put on, put on about 15, 16 pounds of solid muscle, and then we go to the Final Four my second year. But into the NBA, they didn't have that. They didn't have new traits. They don't have the stuff they had today, right? So preservation of body is going to be good for them because they have all the technology. So think about San Antonio has, what, a $500 million practice uh, facility and all the bells and whistles around it. So he's going to get the best treatment. They got the best food. They fly on, uh, uh, on private planes. So it's a totally different era as far as injury is concerned. But preservation of his body from that height is going to be crucial because uh, you look at MB, right? They just hurt his knee. And he's a big boy, right? And he plays, he's been playing hard. He could be MVP of the league this year, but he tore his meniscus. And then that stands the severity of the meniscus. I tore my meniscus, and that's what happened to me. If you tear it, you try to scrape it, take it out. That's a part of the body that's like a brake pad on your knees. And you go, he's going to keep chopping at him, chopping at him, chopping at him. Then his other knee is going to fail. I know they got better training staff these days, but it's just real. So Wimby, for me, is need to protect his body. He, it's, 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 it's the right thing that he's with Greg Pavlich and that crew. So NBA is smart, right? Let's, let's get it really straight. They're smart in what, how they position this stuff. And, and, and Popovich, you know, new contract, five more years, the highest paid coach in the league. It's going to take very good care of him, and they'll take good care of him. Well, he just got to be very cognizant of not wanting to play every night if he's tired or hurt himself. And that's what they did with Embiid, uh, uh, right? In the first couple of years, they didn't play him a whole lot because he wasn't ready. Uh, and Wimby will do the same thing. He's going to want to play. He's the highlight of the league right now, of the world. And he's he going to want to play, but his body and mentally is not quite ready to NBA grind of 82 games. And then you got all-star break, and you got to go there. And you're going to lose a lot of games before you win a lot of games. And he'll learn a lot through that, but taking care of his body is going to be very crucial. I would tell everybody out there, I don't know what LeBron James is doing totally. I, I know some of the things. But if you can follow what he does, but he's got a freakish body, you should emulate that as much as you can because he's one of the best people with 20 years, 21 years in the league that's taking care of his body. It makes sense. And then the last thing I would say is you look at the big man, like you look at Kareem, you look at Robert Paris, myself, uh, all the big guys that I know, the, the tie to that and their health strength is yoga. Kareem taught me that early on in my career. I should have done it more, but he was doing it daily. I didn't have that in Houston. I just go to California and do it out there with him a couple of times. But the stretching is very crucial in those ligaments because he's so tall, and then he's got to guard guards, and that's where I think some of the things you have to understand. Don't worry about those guards. Guard them out in, 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 in the curve. They shoot a three, they shoot a three. Sit, sit, sit back off of them, try to block the shot, and then when they go to basket, you block the shot because you can't twist and turn like the little guard can because your ligaments and tendons are so long that it puts a lot of stress on your legs. So a lot of things you could teach from that. You know, they got David Robinson and, and, and Tim Duncan down. I'm sure they tell them to help him a lot, but, you know, hopefully they can teach him, you know, some things as well, which I'm sure they will. But you just got to protect his body at all costs. Ralph, lastly, that 1985 All-Star game, Ralph Sampson is our guest. That's the All-Star game. You were the MVP. I know you were on the West and not the East, but the long-standing, almost 40-year story of that game 
was that that was the game where allegedly Michael Jordan was frozen out by Isaiah Thomas and the members of the East that didn't want the young buck. Did you witness any of that? You know, I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, again, we were obviously a team. I've heard it after the game, and I, I haven't even gone back and looked at the whole that. But you heard the whip between Isaiah and Michael. It's been historical over the years. To me, that's, that's a competitive spirit no matter what. And it stays till this day, I'm sure, to some extent. But, you know, you squash all that because I like the competitive nature of everybody, right? And, and we all have one. And you want to win. And then Detroit and Chicago, they would battle each other all day long. So it stayed in the All-Star game probably. It stayed in the locker room. Who knows how, how long it went under the scenes. But I never saw it live. And I didn't really pay attention to it because I was more worried about our team and what we were doing and beating the Lakers and everything else before I would worry about somebody else's team. Now, lastly, Ralph, if you come for the All-Star game this weekend and Jerry Seasting's here, do you have to buy him dinner or how does that work out? Uh, yeah, no doubt. Between Danny Ainge and him, I may have to buy him dinner. So I think it's probably dinner because they, they started. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was rolling in that game because I had to say, okay, great. If y'all going to win, you can't win on our home court. I mean, they won the series. Okay, great. But you're not going to win in Houston. And so I was prepared to play and ready to play. And if you watch that video, they were coming off picks. I was sitting picks down where they come off, and they would hit me in crazy spots, as you know. And so I got frustrated after about the third time. And things just escalated. And uh, we had to go to blows. I got kicked out. We won. But remember, we Kim got kicked out in that game that I went, got the shot with the Lakers, and we had an argument there with Marvis Lucas and the crew. So we were a feisty bunch. We were ready to play. <laughs> we, we hung together, and we we didn't take we didn't take anything lightly. So you know we we were good. Basketball in the eighties, man, I love it. And Jerry Jerry Seasting will meet you at Elmo and buy you your shrimp cocktail. Ralph, how's that to make up for it? Um, well, I, 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 I'm allergic to Jerry singing. I'm allergic to shrimp. So, <laughs> so I'll, take a, I'll take a steak. I'll take a steak. All right, Ralph, listen, um, I appreciate it, man. It's a, it's a thrill to talk to you, and you are certainly a part of Indiana basketball lore with the uh, Most Valuable Player Award back in 85, the coin flip and all of it, but one of the great names in basketball. And certainly appreciate the time today. Enjoy the All-Star Game weekend. Thank you, God, for having me, and then we'll have it again when it's over. Anytime, let me know, but you guys enjoy as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ralph Sampson, the 1985 NBA Most Valuable Player.